What is up, everybody? A little bit loud on the music, I apologize, but welcome into Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am really excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win as the Denver Nuggets beat the Atlanta Hawks final score, 128-108 on this game. This was awesome. This was a lot of fun for to be at this particular game and I mean you got to see a show let's be honest I really enjoyed the way that Jamal went into this game the way that he went into uh, just everything that he was trying to do tonight he was aggressive from the jump he was aggressive from uh, basically everything that he had to do uh, at the start of the game just just taking step back threes getting to his spots getting off his shots and it was really exciting to be in the building for his first 40-point game ever since tearing the ACL. Uh, as you guys know, uh, this is just one of those things. Like, I'm a, I'm a Murray guy. I'm a Murray guy. It, it gives me a lot of pride and a lot of pleasure to be able to uh, be around when he is doing his thing and, and when he is kind of uh, going through all that he has gone through and then coming out of it on the other side. Just been really fun. Really fun to see everything. What's up, Katie? How are you? Good to see you, Katie. This is a lot of fun for me to do. And I, I get to get to be in front of the camera like you, Katie. Very nice to see you. Uh, it has been a great, great time going to Ball Arena. You know that you're going to get these crazy numbers from the Nuggets. They put up, it seems like, 120 points every single time. And it seems like the Nuggets are just unbeatable at home now. There are these, these random exceptions, uh, but any time that Nikola Jokic has played in a game, the Nuggets are now, like, they've only lost twice. <laughs> only lost two times. And that's just such a cool thing. It's a great thing to be able to say. It's a great thing to be able to uh, go into Ball Arena and say, hey, we, are, we have a great chance. No matter what the team, no matter who they're playing, uh, Phoenix, Boston, uh, whoever. It just, it doesn't matter which team you're going up against. And I am excited to talk about Jamal. I'm excited to talk about him as given that he's gone through everything that he has in order to get back from this injury. Uh, he's undertaken a, a long run. This is, this is a, this is kind of a culmination and he's not at the mountaintop yet. Let's, let's be, let's be clear. He still wants to be an all-star. He still wants to be a champion. There's no doubt that that is the summit, but for Jamal, he has talked about, and he talked about this postgame, actually, just wanting to hit as many benchmarks as possible, that he was going to celebrate every single milestone, every single benchmark. And so when I asked him about 40, he's like, yeah, I mean, it's it's just another thing to celebrate. It's, it's not necessarily, he's not going to get too high, too low or anything like that, but he is going to let himself enjoy what was a fantastic game and, and might be his best game ever since returning from the injury. Uh it just keeps going up. He, he made this, this motion to me uh, and to the rest of the media when we were interviewing him after the game. And, and like he just wants to have that steady rise. And you can see it. You can see it in the way that he plays. You can see it in the way that he operates consistently. The dude is just confident right now. He is at his best. He is doing everything that he can to... Uh, just deliver on every single night for this team. And I think that's one thing that he had a lot of criticism for over the course of this 
his entire career basically is that he's qu- not quite consistent enough in order to be that all-star, that consistent franchise player. And Jokic was obviously that guy and, and has continued to be that guy for a long, long time with Denver. So it's not like this hasn't been a situation where Denver's been lacking that. But with Murray now getting to this point where I was, I plug in his numbers on the bottom of the screen, as you see on the banner, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to give this a like. Uh, I always plug in his numbers. And the last three games have been very consistent in terms of the shot totals, in terms of the number of times he's taken shots, making shots. He's been high in the assist totals. He's been high in the rebound totals and relatively efficient. And that's what you want to see. And tonight goes for 41 points, 15 of 24. That's a great efficient mark. Seven of 12 from three. This makes three straight games where he's taken at least 11 threes. And that's just not something you saw from him except for when he was in his bag, except for when he was really feeling himself before the injury. So to see him get back to this level where he he dunked in transition to get his 41 points, but he's also hitting the step backs. He's hitting the sidesteps. The shot that he hit over Clint Capello was sick. Uh, Step back and then sidestep. He's just at this level right now where very few players in the NBA can reach. And it's one of the reasons why you always have to stick with them. You always have to go through the lows, go through uh, kind of the, the the twists and turns of the journey, whatever you want to call it. And Murray is going to take you out on the other side, and you're going to be really happy with the results. That just has – it's how it's been ever since he got into the league. He rises to the occasion, especially in the second half of the year, and we are seeing him play some of his best basketball of his career. I don't know if it's bubble-worthy. I don't know if it's quite to where he was before, but the dude is on fire and it's really fun to see. It's just an enjoyable experience at Ball Arena. Nikola Jokic, 34 minutes, only 14 points. What a slacker. 18 rebounds, 10 assists, one steal, two blocks. Jokic only attempted eight shots tonight. He was definitely of the mind where he, he could see the offense working the way that it was, especially early for this team. There was a stretch in that first quarter where nobody could stop. Nobody could get any stops at all. Uh, there was a gentleman behind me who was, who was making funny comments, and he's like, okay, well, I would like one person to play defense tonight, two people to play defense tonight. And it was really funny. I think Jokic probably felt the same way at various points where, all right, everybody on this team can score. I don't need to score all the time. Let me just pass this off to Jamal, who goes off for 40, or Michael Porter, who has 23 points. And you start to see the way that this team is clicking and the starting lineup is clicking. Jokic is obviously at the center of it. Last couple of games, Jamal's been the tip of the spear in terms of the number of shots that he's taken, in terms of how often he's getting to his own personal looks. But there are times where Jamal will only take 10 or 15 shots and where Joker will take 20. It hasn't been the case lately. Joker, I think it's 14 shots, 13 shots, and 8 shots in each of the last three games. And usually with with how often he has the ball in his hands, with how often uh, he has all of these opportunities to score, he is generally more aggressive, but tonight didn't need to be. And I get it. Against Clint Capella, I would not want to be super aggressive either. He's just uh, one of those guys. I, I think that he's just one of those guys who, if he is going to, like he's going to dictate things. He's going to, make sure consistently that he is uh, pushing the team in the right direction, 
They're always getting great shots. I think that Jamal sometimes will, uh, he will break from that because he's as talented as he is and has earned the trust and the, the belief in his teammates. But I do think that Jamal has that trust of him, but Joker, whenever they kind of, they go outside the lines a little bit, he will get into the post. He will hit a back cut. He will uh, run a DHO and that, and get it into a floater. He just knows how to get the team going back in the right direction every single time. And for him to be able to do that makes it way, way easier for the rest of the NBA or for the rest of his teammates to operate. So tonight he didn't have to score. Uh, he had 10 assists. He now has the league lead in total assists this season as a center. The last time that happened was Wilt Chamberlain in 1967, 68. That is elite company. That's something that nobody has ever done before ex except for Wilt in NBA history. And, to be in that class as a passer, as a big man, it's nuts. But Joker continues to push the threshold. It, I, don't, I don't know what the threshold is. I think that he's going to continue going further and further. And as he continues to progress, as the Nuggets continue to get even better, just operating around him, I think they're, they're pretty much operating at peak capacity right now. But they are going to be awesome. And I don't think even playoffs is going to really stop that. I think that... Denver just continues to generate great shots and they hit them at an elite rate. That's just who they are. They're not like the Brooklyn Nets where they take really tough shots all the time. Joker helps get them easy shots as often as he can. And he's, he's great at it. Michael Porter Jr. Deserves a lot of credit himself. 30 minutes tonight, 23 points, 9 of 16 from the field. A lot of that came in the first half and I think he probably could have done better in the second half, especially when he came back in with the bench. We'll talk about that in the second segment. But I do think that this is just one of those games where you see the other numbers, the three steals, the block, the plus 15. Michael has more than earned a, a great opportunity for this team to go outside the lines sometimes as a shooter, to go outside the lines as a scorer and, and try to create off the dribble a little bit because he has earned that through hard work and effort on the defensive end. The dude is fighting. Michael Malone said tonight, uh, today in the postgame presser, he was like, yeah, sometimes they, they hit shots over Michael tonight, but I, I always felt, and this is me as Malone talking, that he was contesting really well. The rear view contest, he's, he's got that seven-foot wingspan at, at 6'10". He's got that in, in the face of everybody, and they were just hitting tough shots. And sometimes it felt like that. And sometimes there were, there were times where I think Mike – probably got away from what he was supposed to do, but that's with everybody. So at this point, it is just like, it's who he is. He, he has been a consistent role player for this team and been very, very good. And tonight he had to go outside the lines a little bit, take some step backs. Uh, hit, he hit a couple threes here that were very, very impressive. And then he hit a couple that were, or he hit one that was really, really easy, just based off of those looks that Denver's able to generate for him. So Denver's in a great spot with Michael Porter and Michael is in a great spot with Denver where I think this bone situation has really galvanized him and galvanized his relationship with the team. This is Michael uh, where he is playing really well in concert with the rest of the team and they firmly respect what he has done and who he is as a player based off of how he has bought into the system, how he has bought into the attitude and effort that a championship team needs and that is, he just gets a lot of credit for that. 
Aaron Gordon, 30 minutes tonight, 15 points. I thought that he got abused down, down low a couple times, and it's funny. He was 7 of 10, and I could, I could probably name the shots that he missed where he, he got a pretty rough whistle at times. And uh, it's funny, Denver was going up against, uh, not going up against, Rodney Mott was officiating tonight along with Zach Zarba. And I thought that Rodney Mott gave Atlanta a pretty pretty solid whistle, if I'm not mistaken. But it was pretty funny to, to see that kind of go real time as Denver continued to gain momentum. And the crowd was really, really upset, particularly at points where Aaron Gordon was fighting in the lane and just having to fight through like, like he's being mauled by a bear. Uh, it's pretty funny, but either way, Aaron Gordon's just, he is such a hard worker for what this team needs. And going up against John Collins tonight, you could really see two guys that are very good at that. John Collins doesn't get enough credit because I think Trey Young has really stolen the soul of that team, but they were really good tonight. Despite the fact that they're on the second night of a back-to-back, Denver was just better. John Collins was really good and he made Aaron Gordon fight. Those guys were working hard and going just, it was like battling back and forth, bouncing. I just, just been, it was real. I mean, really good. You want to see the, that, that level of competition, but I do think that Aaron Gordon emerged as the winner in that particular matchup, 15 points, six rebounds, four assists, one block, very helpful stuff. They kept his minutes down. Maybe he plays on the second night of a back-to-back against Minnesota. We will just have to see, but I just I'm very appreciative of Aaron Gordon's game game in general, just because he's one of those guys that is going to go 100% all the time, and he doesn't know how to turn it off. Now that he has turned it on, he is competitive, he is uh, physical, and that level of physicality, kind of balanced between the finesse and the the motion offense that Denver runs all the time, it is a really great wrinkle and has made things easier for everybody else around him. And finally, KCP tonight, 12 minutes only, exited with an ankle sprain in that second quarter. He actually exited in the first quarter, was very ginger, got a retaped going back to the locker room, and uh, he went back out there to start the second quarter, played about six minutes, was pulled, and uh, I, I think he tried to give it a go, but it was very clear that he just wasn't in the right frame of mind and the ankle was probably swelling up on him just a little bit. So Denver gave him the night off at that point. And it's good to see because KCP, I think he's played in all but two games so far this year. So the dude has been an Ironman for this team. He has been so consistent, so good for what they have needed. And I, I think it's, it's okay. Uh, he rolled the ankle on what I think there was, there was an, a little bit of anger from Michael Malone and the Nuggets bench when uh, I, I don't remember who it was that contested his shot, but they contested KCP, got under him, and he rolled the ankle off of a contest, which is usually a flagrant foul, a, a shooting foul on a three-pointer. So I'm surprised that it wasn't called. I'm surprised that uh, that that didn't merit a review at least, and and maybe that's just something that the reviews got that the refs got wrong. But if that's the case, it's just I mean it's tough. Like Denver, there was there was a couple of Twitter post that came out the other day about the last two minute report and how Denver actually is one of the teams that gets screwed on the last two minute report by the officiating. So maybe this is just another example, uh, him battling like Aaron Gordon battling under the paint. KCP gets fouled on the perimeter. Denver doesn't like complain about it. They just go out and they work hard and that's all you can really ask for. So 
either way, uh, hope, hopefully KCP is okay. It would not surprise me if he sat against Minnesota. It wouldn't surprise me if he played, though, because the dude is an Iron Man. And is, if, as long as the ankle doesn't swell too much, he will probably be okay. He'll just tape it up tighter. So, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, everything kind of pertaining to that bench unit, which obviously has gone through a whole bunch of different variations. But first, this podcast, as you know, everybody, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Superbook is awesome. They do a great job. And because the final drive for championship is here in the NFL, there's no better place to wager on this football title tilt uh, next weekend than Superbook Sports. Superbook features the best menu of prop bets in the business. Plus, check out their special odds boosts and promotions at Superbook.com. With over three decades of odds-making experience in Las Vegas, there's no better place to wager than Superbook. Win some money as one lucky team wins the championship. Download the Superbook Sports app today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Let's get to the bench. Let's get to the bench and everything that they had to go through. I am very curious to see how the bench continues to uh, how it continues to evolve without Bones. I do not think that Bones is going to be back in the rotation. I think that in all likelihood, Denver is at that stage where they're like, could the could the reputation be reconciled? Yes, maybe. Maybe. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that it can't, but it says a lot to me that KCP goes down. And the first thing that Denver does is they tighten up to an eight-man rotation. They don't go to Jeff Green. They don't go to Bones Highland. They don't go to anybody else. Instead, they just kind of tightened up to an eight-man rotation in the second half with Christian Brown playing a lot of minutes, Michael Porter staggering with the second unit, Murray and Jokic played 11 and uh, or 12 and 11 minutes respectively in that third quarter. But tonight, you look at the first half lineup with the bench, and then the second half lineup with the bench, which I'll show in just a bit. First half was Bruce Brown, KCP, Christian Brown, Vlako Chanchar, Zeke Naji. And the great thing about that lineup is how great defensively it was. In five minutes that that lineup played, they allowed six points. Now, they, they only scored four, and that's probably an untenable situation in terms of a consistent lineup that you can go to. But... I did like the defense, and I know Michael Malone did too. He was very, very happy with the identity of that group. He's very happy with how much energy and how much they do on a consistent basis with that group. Uh, it's not surprising too. Like he he said post game, he loves Christian Brown. It's hard for fans not to love Christian Brown with the dunks, the energy, the steals, the hustle. Like he is going to win people over, and he's going to win more minutes in general because of what he does with this bench group. And I think Christian Brown kind of embodies what the Nuggets want this bench group to be. This one was pretty good. It only only was a minus two in those five minutes, which is fine. It's definitely not untenable. If Denver continues to be a double-digit positive with their starting unit consistently, then this is fine. This is definitely okay. 
Now, there are going to be situations where the starters are not a positive, like in the Philly game last weekend. But I do think that this lineup, it, it, there, there are certain things that they can do better in order to score a little bit more. But I am a little bit concerned, obviously, for the scoring. Jamal Murray will be with that lineup more consistently in the playoffs. And I think we're just going to have to see how things evolve. But second half, you obviously had KCP go down. He, he got injured. Michael Porter was the guy who subbed in, and they ran a Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Michael Porter, Vlaco Chanchar, Zeke Naji lineup. And there were a lot of Michael Porter stepbacks in that lineup. He was only out there for three minutes. It was not good. Um, I'm not surprised that Mike kind of struggled with this. He has been told to be a role player, to catch and shoot, to be a player who fits in, not stands out for much of his career. And as a result, I think his skills have diminished just a little bit in terms of the creating off the dribble for himself, the elite one-on-one score kind of potential that he had, uh, especially coming out of the game and or coming out of the draft, excuse me. And it's not really a surprise to me that Christian uh, that, that uh, Michael Porter is at this stage. I think he can get better, but I think if Denver does end up trading Christian Brown, they should probably try to find time with Michael Porter in that second unit at times where he can create, where he can practice that. He can be a little bit more confident in it going into the playoffs because there are going to be times where maybe Jamal Murray rolls an ankle and maybe Nikola Jokic has played 44 minutes. There are going to be times where uh, Michael Porter is going to be asked to do some scoring and some offensive creation for himself and for others. He's got to practice it at some point. It's got to happen in a game. It can't just be in practice. It can't just be theoretical. He's going to have to do it at some point. So I wonder if they try to do that eventually. But let's move to the players now. And I think we got to start with Christian Brown, who I think uh, he's getting some love in the comments for sure. I love what Christian Brown has brought to the team so far this year. I think that the athleticism has really stood out, especially lately as he's gotten out in transition, as he's trying to dunk on people consistently. The dude is trying to get posters consistently. And I love it because he is one of those guys that is always going to be aggressive. He is always going to be trying and being uh, kind of like jaw where you know you are going to get the best effort and a, and a potential poster every single time because he's ambitious. Because That's the word that I was looking for. Christian Brown is an ambitious dunker. He's trying to poster people. And he's, he today he, he tried to do something, actually got called for. It was just, it was turned into a block uh, based off of a challenge. He initially got free throws for it, but there was no way the dunk was going to happen. He said to uh, us in the post game that he should have cocked it back just a little bit more, try to get fouled a little bit better. And uh, no, it's just funny. It's funny to think about. It's funny to see what he continues to do at some point, especially in the postseason. I think he's going to have a dunk that is going to have people going ballistic and he's going to be the talk of the town. And it's going to be like, he'll, it'll be at home. It'll be a first or second round series. Christian Brown is going to dunk somebody out of this earth and the crowd is going to be so fired up and Christian Brown, he's going to have that sneer on his face or just scream as loud as he possibly can. It's going to be awesome. But either way tonight, four of 11, not his best finishing uh, could have been better. Uh, two of four from three, though, is really, really good. Seven rebounds, really, really good. Two assists, two steals, one turnover. 
And Michael Malone said, like, he went to him after the game and, and congratulated him, said, showed him the stat sheet, said he was plus 20 on the night, which that's the kind of impact that you're looking for. You're looking for players, especially off that bench, where they can help you and they can really do some crazy stuff. I am looking forward to seeing what Christian Brown can do. I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, he continues to turn into because the dude has potential. And there are some things that he's doing as a passer. There are some things that he's doing as a rebounder and creator and shooter that if he puts it all together, he's going to be a starter in the league for a long, long time. Like the dude has real potential here. Bruce Brown, kind of conversely, not as good of a game tonight from Bruce Brown. Just one of those players who you know is going to give it his all. You know is going to try. I think that there were some things that Brown tried to do tonight as the point guard, as the creator, in a in a flawed second unit where he could have been better. The ball kind of found him a couple times late in the clock. I know he airballed one in the first half. I know that he didn't shoot that well tonight. One of six from three, which is kind of the other side of, hey, he's been confident. He has been collected. I think the pass that he... Like, I think it was a Jokic assist that he had when, when he hit his only three tonight. But he has to be aggressive, but properly aggressive. And tonight I thought he pushed that threshold just a little bit more than he probably should have. But it's not the worst thing in the world because without Bones and if Jamal is sitting, Denver needs somebody to push the tempo. They need somebody who can continue to do more and, and see what Bruce Brown's limits are because he is going to be pushed to his limits and I, uh, I definitely think that he can improve on that front. Uh, Robert actually makes a good point here. Uh, Chris, oh, this was on Christian Brown, by the way. I actually believe two of his miss, misses led to easy Zeke putbacks. That definitely helps. And, and another from Robert. One issue is when Bruce Brown is the guy running the unit with no Murray. He feels pressed to be the guy. Yeah, there's definitely something to that. I think when Murray is, out, is not out there, but Jokic is, it's a little bit different because he'll give up the ball. He will consistently do what he needs to do in order to be athletic and versatile and a, a strong cutter and screener. And when he catches the ball as a spot-up shooter, he's pretty confident in that situation. I like him as the point guard with Jokic. I do not like him as the point guard without Jokic. Like That is clearly, clearly an issue at times. Uh, but when he can defend on ball, when he can be that guy who's trying to pester he can be a guy who is getting into the airspace of somebody. He can absolutely do some crazy stuff. So I'm very hopeful that, I mean, Bruce Brown is, is one of the trust guys. And I think that Christian Brown has really developed into a trust guy too. It's been awesome. Another guy who I think is developing kind of into that circle of trust, Vlako Chanchar. He didn't play that well tonight. I think that there are some things that he could have improved upon, but honestly, he just didn't have a lot of opportunities. There were not as many ways for him to impact the game. One of five from the field, one of three from three, only one rebound tonight. That's probably where you can improve the most, but three assists, one steal plus three. That's perfectly fine, especially from a bench guy. Uh, I mean, there was, there weren't any guys in the, in the negative on the plus minus tonight in the starting line or, and in the rotation, Zeke Naji was a net neutral. We'll go over him next, but in general, Denver, I think has found a group where they can be relatively trustworthy. Contavious Caldwell-Pope will play more minutes going forward. Maybe he'll, his minutes and Christian's minutes will kind of inversely correlate to each other. But I do think that Vlatko 
We talked about this on the last pod. I think Vlaco should be the guy over Zeke not or over Jeff Green. Jeff has been a really good veteran, and Michael Malone went out of his way twice, once pregame, once postgame, to mention how great of a veteran Jeff Green is. And it's stuff that people don't always see when, when they're not looking behind the scenes and when they don't have access to stuff like that. But Jeff Green's just one of those veterans that puts you in the right direction as, as a player on the team. He's going to guide you in the right direction. He's going to steer you away from bad things. And having a guy like that who's consistently in your ear helping you out, that's great. It doesn't mean he always has to play. It doesn't mean he's always has to be in a position where he has to be the guy, where he has to be in the rotation every single night. Now, will he play next game on the second night of a back-to-back? Maybe. Maybe it makes sense. Maybe Denver should go big with that second unit and play Vlatko, uh, Jeff Green, and Zeke, and then play Christian Brown at the two. And actually, well, I, I don't know what the what the actual rotation is going to look like because it sounds like Denver may rest some guys, uh, especially with KCP injured. Maybe they try to get Murray an off day, although I wouldn't sit Murray right now, so we'll, we'll just have to see. But either way, Vlatko's a guy that I think should be in the trust, in the trust category. He is... He makes the right decisions. He hustles. He had a steal tonight, three assists, just continues to make the right play. And when you have a guy who can make the right play, push the tempo, put guys into positions where they can succeed uh, and, and really try to mitigate what the defense is doing, that's great. You want to see that. You want to see that from your role players. You need guys that are willing to hustle and go the extra mile. And I just think Flacco has shown the willingness and the ability to do that. And then finally, Zeke, 14 minutes, four points, nothing to write home about there. But five rebounds in 14 minutes is really impressive, especially for Zeke, who's somebody who doesn't really get a lot of rebounds most of the time. Uh, but he has two steals and two blocks, which is one there. That's a crazy number. That is a really, really impressive number for 14 minutes. I mean, four separate defensive plays that involved uh, stealing or blocking the ball. And that's so rare in, in today's NBA. You do not see that very frequently. And Zeke for a while was a guy who was more of a positional defender and still probably is more of a positional defender where he won't get as many steals. He won't get as many blocks, but he's going to switch. He's going to contest. He's going to try to avoid fouling if he can, although he does have a relatively high foul rate. I am impressed with Zeke. I am impressed with the way that he has uh, stepped up in the, like in the absence of Jokic where Jokic is off the court, Zeke has to fill his role, basically, and maybe not be the, the kind of player that Jokic is, but he has to really anchor things on both ends of the floor. And for him to be able to do that, and for the team to be relatively positive and consistent when he's out there, that speaks volumes about the way that he has transitioned into his role. He's just the everyday center now. Like, it's not really a platoon anymore with him and DeAndre. Maybe that changes. Maybe there, there are certain situations that you go to DeAndre for, but I tend to think that unless Denver makes a trade, and that's always a possibility, unless Denver makes a trade, Zeke Najee is going to be their backup center. Maybe there are times where Jeff Green moves to that backup center spot. Maybe Aaron Gordon will play that backup center spot at times. But I do think that Zeke Najee is going to get the first crack at it unless a trade is made. And so that should be very interesting. And I think that he has earned the right uh, Abel says uh, Zeke can stay with fast guys for his size. Yeah, it really is his best skill where he can switch onto the perimeter 
and make it so that opposing teams have a much more difficult time to get the shots that they were hoping for. Switching is viable when it comes to a lineup that has Bruce Brown at point guard as opposed to Bones Highland. It's not really a shot at Bones. You just have to play a different style. But with Bruce, you can switch. KCP, you can switch. Christian Brown, Flacco Chanchar, you you can switch with all those guys. It's been great. Uh, So I've been really, really pleased with the defense that Denver has played. And I think that they, like they, they gave up 108 tonight, but a lot of that was against the starting unit. When it was the bench units, Denver really clamped down. And that I think that's one of the reasons why you've seen their defense improve as much as they have over the course of these last 30 games or so. So they deserve a lot of credit, and they deserve a lot of credit for this win. Let's take another break on the podcast side. When we come back, we are going to go over the record as well as why Denver has turned themselves into the best team in the NBA. We'll be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you for the live chat. We got a whole bunch of people in here. Been really cool to see. I'm glad that this, this is a new thing that I'm doing. I am going to do a live show during the trade deadline. Uh, It's going to be at 1230 Mountain. The trade deadline is at 1 p.m. Mountain. And we will either, we'll go for about an hour, maybe a little bit longer. Then there's a game that night. I think I'm going to be talking to Matt Moore uh, on that post game. So we'll be able to talk about everything that happened. But that is something to look out for. Going to have a bunch of shows that are live in between now and then. But the ones to look out for, for sure, are the Thursday shows. There will be two separate ones, one at 1230. That'll react to basically a whole bunch of deals. And if Denver makes a deal, then great. And the other will be after the Orlando Magic game. So should be fun. Really looking forward to it. And the Nuggets are looking forward to it too. 37 and 16 overall record, 25 and four home record for the team. They are first in the Western Conference. And that gap has gotten wider. It's pretty clear that Denver is doing some crazy things right now and some things that I think have really separated them from the rest of the pack. Memphis is three and seven in their last 10. Sacramento is six and four, but they lost their last game. So Denver is four and a half games above Memphis, four games in the loss column. They are six games in the loss column above Sacramento. They have separated themselves in a great way. And I do think that this really matters, especially at this stage. If Denver can put themselves to a position where they do not have to really uh, be great, like they don't have to do anything crazy after the all-star break, then they are going to be able to rest a little bit more. They are going to be able to experiment with different things a little bit more, try to get ready for the playoffs. And they're going to be able to play Christian Brown a little bit more, which I think a lot of people will be excited about. So going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Let's go over the standings really quick here. Denver at 37 and 16, tied with Boston. I'm putting Denver in front, despite the fact that I think Boston gets the they get the nod based off of point differential, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, you have Boston at 37 and 16 as well. Milwaukee's right behind those teams at 36 and 17. Where did they come from? Just just wild that they're doing what they're doing. Philly at 34 and 17 is fourth in the NBA. Memphis and Brooklyn are now tied for fifth. Brooklyn, Kyrie Irving trade request. Notwithstanding, that is going to be very interesting to see how they handle it. But somehow Kyrie Irving stays 
making a mess of things. That's crazy. Uh, Cleveland, 32 and 20, a couple games back. Uh, and then you have Sacramento, Miami, and LA Clippers rounding out the top 10. Miami being at nine, I think is a bad look for the rest of the NBA. Miami's 29 to 25. They have not been very good this year. I saw them. They're just not a really impressive team. And they also have guys that sit out pretty frequently, like uh, uh, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, uh, Kyle Lowry, et cetera. Like they've had a lot of guys that sat out. And the fact that there aren't any more teams that are above Miami and they are the ninth ranked team in the NBA, that to me is crazy. Like they're, come on, come on, the rest of the West and everybody else in the entire waking world. Like what are we doing here? So, Either way, um, let's go to this question now, and we'll wrap up with this. How the Nuggets became the best team in the NBA? This is kind of ambiguous, and I'll let the chat help me out with this one if they'd like to. I'm really of the opinion now that the Nuggets are the best team. It's been, like, I've predicted before that they would win a title, and I've predicted it before this. But I do think that the way that they have played, the levels that they have reached, and the performances that they've received from a bunch of different players, I think puts them into a new pedestal on the NBA, in the entire NBA. Obviously, the Philly game didn't go well. You don't like it's not one game that's really going to define what Denver can do as a contender. I talked about that from the, the scope of the MVP race, and I think that matters a lot more in that particular discussion. But I do think that Denver at this stage, they are in a great place where they have beaten just about everybody that they've faced. They've beaten the Warriors. They've beaten the Suns. They beat the Celtics. They've beat, uh, they haven't beat Milwaukee, but I do think that they will at some point. Uh, they've beat Sacramento. They beat the Clippers. They beat Dallas. They beat Minnesota. You you go down the, the list of all the Western Conference teams. Denver's now 27-10 and 10 in conference games. That is the best record in either conference by far. The next best record of any team is the Boston Celtics at 21 and 11. Denver has been so good against their conference, and they have performed so, so well. They do have, they have played 29 games at home and only 24 on the road. So they are in for a couple of more difficult games going forward. They have, they only have 12 more games left at home on the season, which is crazy. But I do think that what they've done over the course of these last uh, six weeks, we'll call it, has it's kind of gone under the radar. Like there are teams that are, and there are, there are a lot of analysts that are still bullish on the Warriors, that are bullish on Memphis, that are bullish on uh, Robert. Robert helps us out here. Uh, we're fine in the West, says John Morant. Uh, yeah, that's that's funny, man. Like I think the Nuggets are fine in the West. I think the Nuggets are in a great place where they can do what they need to do and they aren't going to be challenged. Like, they will be challenged. Let me let me rephrase that. It is really hard to win. It is really hard to win even if you are better than the opposing team because they're going to give you everything that they have. Teams get desperate when they get eliminated, and Denver is going to have to go through that, but I think they're going to have to go through it as the one seed, maybe the two seed if Memphis kind of rounds back into form here. But I do think that because Denver is able to do what they're able to do, and they have been consistent. They have taken uh, full advantage of their games at home. They have been 500 on the road. That's good enough. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. 
Because of that, they're going to win about 55, 56, 57 games. And they are putting themselves into a position where they could have the best record in the entire NBA when the regular season is all said and done. That is really exciting. That is a really exciting thing for Nuggets fans, where if Denver was able to collect home court advantage in the playoffs, that would be like, I mean, come on now. How cool would that be? What, what, I don't know if Denver's been able to do that in their history. Like, I do think Denver has some things, and I think Aaron points out a couple of th- a, a very important point here. I hope they eventually figure out how to play defense in road games. And that's true. Like they're eventually like, it's, it's honestly pretty funny that that is such a disparity. They, they find ways to lock in. And I think a lot of it is because they're energy players and like Christian Brown, Bruce Brown, KCP, they're guys that capitalize on the energy of and and how things shift at home and what they can kind of build upon it kind of it's kind of a snowball effect and it's one of the reasons why Denver goes on so many of these runs where it's a 10 to 2 run it's a 12 to 4 run it's a 15 to 3 run whatever it is it always feels like Denver can use those sucker punches to really kick a team when they're at home when when Denver's at home they don't have a lot of those runs when they're on the road it's not as frequent they can't develop that momentum as often. And I'm, I'm not sure if the numbers actually back this up, but it, it seems anecdotally like it would be true. But it does feel to me like because Denver can't generate that momentum as consistently, they are always fighting. They are always in the dogfight. And sometimes they lose focus. Sometimes they lose the thread of what they've done. But if that is the weakest link, if playing defense in road games is the weakest link, they're going to lock in a little bit better in the playoffs. There's no doubt about that. Will they be great on the road in the playoffs and especially playoff defense? Probably not. Do they need to be great? Their offense actually travels reasonably well. It's not perfect, but it's really good. I think that they're one of those teams that's going to be hard to stop no matter where they are. And if Denver is the one seed in the entire NBA, if they are the one seed in the Western Conference, and then if they get to the NBA Finals, have home court advantage, over whoever, they just got to win four home games. That's the beauty of it. That's why trying in the regular season is so cool. That's why teams that rest all their guys all the time, they're never going to benefit from that. They never, ever will. I do think that Denver at this stage is, is really in a great situation where they can capitalize on the rest of the teams being mid because Denver, their formula has been so, so good offensively that they're so consistent and it would not surprise me if if they just get a couple stops here a couple stops there maybe they steal one road game here's the thing if you steal one road game in a best of seven series then you win in five games if you just defend your home court so if Denver wins games one two and five all they gotta do is win one of game three or four they'll be good they'll be okay that is how the Warriors won against Denver last year that's how the Warriors get through some of the, the series that they do where they don't have to try as hard in some in some circumstances. But I think that they're in a great spot. I think that the Nuggets have more than proved who they can be. And I'm very excited about what they do going forward. Rob says, new bench unit and philosophy may change the road D as well. It's definitely true. I'm not sure I want to count on Christian Brown and want to count on a rookie to really change that mentality. But honestly, if it's if it works, it works. 
And Christian Brown could be somebody that just he's like sneering at the road crowd. How how hilarious would that be? Just uh, making him into a villain in a series of people like I don't like Christian Brown and Nuggets fans are like, we love Christian Brown because of his hustle and everything. It's it's just been it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to the to this entire thing. It's going to be great. Uh, Philip also says Murray being in this shape helps their chances on the road. He's an absolute baller. Yeah, I'm definitely hoping so. I'm definitely hoping that this continues to translate. It isn't lost on me that Murray's splits have been a little bit better at home than they have been on the road so far. But maybe it's just the part of getting back. It's the part of developing, getting back into game shape, as you say, Philip, and being able and willing to take over in those moments. Murray's a guy that loves to quiet the road crowd. He loves to shush them. He loves to shut it down. He also loves the home crowd, and he's very galvanizing in that way. But to me, I think that we are seeing a new step for Murray. I think we're seeing him develop into more of a leader, seeing him develop into more of a consistent player. The top end has always been there. It's coming back now that he's in shape, as you say. But I do love it. I think that this has been fantastic, and Denver's just in a great position going forward where they can do some crazy things. And Nuggets fans, I know, are all ready for that. They're all very excited for what is to come. But everybody, this has been fun. We are now at the end of the pod. I do really appreciate everybody for hopping in. We've got over 50 people in here going live past midnight. This is awesome. This is this is the generate hour. This is the midnight hour for pickaxe and roll. I love being able to do this. I think this is fun. Uh, but for now, everybody, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. I hope everybody has a great night. Very excited for what is to come. It's going to be freaking fantastic with this team. Got a game tomorrow. Got a game against Minnesota. Should be fun. We're going to see what happens. But maybe Denver rests some guys. Maybe they don't. But should be very, very fun. The Witching Hour. Big Namek been a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Have a great night.